When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings, traveler. Come warm yourself by the fire and let us regale you with mighty tales, tales of adventure, tales of heroism, tales of Tamriel. I am your host, Ajelos, and that awesome intro music that you just heard was by the amazingly talented Family Jewels. If you want to hear this song as well as all of his other amazing video game covers, go ahead and check him out over at youtube.com slash familyjewels7x. As always, I am joined by the one, the only Arcaneer Silver Shield himself. Hello. There you go. How you wow. doing? I, I, I like that intro, Arcaneer Silver Shield. Yeah. So yeah. I, I got dumbfounded for a second. <laughs> you, you, know, you normally start with, you know, something to make me angry at the beginning of the show, so that was... That yeah. was off throwing. Yeah, see, that was almost as much as you know, actually saying something to you know, you know about my sex plar. You know, that was probably even more um, distracting than the sex plar comment because you're like, wow, I wasn't ready for that. Yeah, I was prepared for it, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was prepared for the sex plar. Was not prepared for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's slightly because I am beardless. And oh. <laughs> you'll notice that I'm in game and I'm playing a a, a Mur character because I feel like I am not manly enough to play my Nord anymore. Uh, I felt it was only like, right. Oh, I'm, you are a Dunmer, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I was so ashamed that I therefore now feel like I I'm not ready to be, you know, I am a, a Nord, and therefore I must play a filthy Mur. <laughs> it's a sad I mean, day. It will, yeah, it will grow back though. So I know, I know. It's funny because uh, even at work, um, one of my bearded brothers. Which, by the way, if you didn't realize this, uh, as soon as you grow a beard, you're part of this e- elite brotherhood of other bearded men. Where regardless of whether or not <laughs> you've ever talked to them before, they just automatically salute you. It's kind of like being a uh, kind of like being a biker. Like you just do it to all the other bikers. Like they know you, and therefore you are one of them. Yeah, uh, he pretty much stumbled in the hallway, going, "What happened to your beard?" I'm like, "I don't know. I'm sorry." <laughs> He's like, "I can't believe you gave up on the beard game." I'm like, "No, I didn't. I just I needed a fresh, a fresh, uh, a fresh start. Like, because I I was doing some trimming and I uh, just did not like the way it was growing in. It was getting a little little ragged, and I was like, you know what? I got all this new beard oil." I got all this like beard shampoo. I got all this stuff I can care for it, but I feel like the beard I have now is just too far gone, and therefore 
I was like, okay, nope, I'm shaving it all off, and I'll just start over from the, you know, from the beginning, and I'll just do everything right the first time, and then it'll be better. Well, I look like a cancer patient. Not not I mean, saying anything to any poor people going through cancer right now, but I seriously, I do. I'm like bald. I have no beard. It's pretty bad. It it it's really bad. <laughs> oh, it's really back. It's I just know. A metro- Better caring for it when it does grow back. Yes, yes, definitely. Better care is needed uh, to make sure that it is at peak beard efficiency. And um, yeah, it's just now I have to hide my face for the next couple weeks. In fact, uh, have you ever seen the movie Robin Hood Men in Tights? Maybe. Okay, it's old. It's like an 80s movie. Actually, I think it was early 90s. But anyone who, uh, anyone who, who, you know, grew up probably knows a, a little bit about it. Um, at one point, the lead character, he, he gets, he's in Jerusalem. It's during the Crusades. Obviously, it's a parody of Robin Hood, right? So he's in the Crusades and he shows up to a, uh, um, uh, uh, Islamic prison in, in Jerusalem, right? And the joke is, you know, obviously he didn't have a beard. And the guy's like, the guy's playing a maitre d comes walking in and goes, Oh, I'm sorry. I cannot seat you unless you have the proper attire. You know, like you would if you went to a fancy restaurant. <laughs> and uh, so they show up, and then the guy's like turns around and attaches a fake beard to his face and said, "There we go. All right." <laughs> I feel like that's what that's what I need right now is a fake beard. Because either a fake beard or you know just don't leave the house for the lot, like, like two weeks or something. If I worked at home. <clears throat> yeah, I would. Uh, the sad part is my my facial hair does not grow in that quickly, so uh, it might be longer than two weeks, and it's going to make me very sad. Um, but uh, yeah, I I yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to have to gonna have to figure something out, you know. Yep. Yeah. Well, right. at least at least you'll be able to show people what the beard like, how much difference beard beard makes. Like you you can be the example of that. Yeah, yeah. The, the take that to heart as a quest. It it didn't help that Discord is you know in loving nature uh, decided to link me a bunch of beard songs saying if your father doesn't have a beard <laughs> you just have two beardless mothers. Um, <laughs> it's all in good fun, but yes, no, they're just making me cry all night. Like I I <laughs> didn't even know if I wanted to be on the show at this point. I'm like I don't know. I just don't feel right about myself. And I see chat room right now is telling me, turn the camera on, embrace the restart. I'm like, nope, nope. I need at least some sort of scruff before I'm willing to do that. I, I linked to pictures in Discord, and I was shamed when I did so. So, no, definitely not. All right, let's go ahead and just roll right on into the show. We'll be, we'll be over my, <coughs> my crying beard problems, and uh, we'll go right into our tales. Ark, what have you been doing? Well, unfortunately, I've only done one thing Elder Scrolls related this week. Um, Because I was working and then thinking on some stuff, Mm -hmm. etc., and I didn't have much time. And when I had the time, I played some other games, unfortunately. But I did. Hey, uh, you you got to flirt with a skeleton, dude. That's all I'm saying. I got to... What? You got to flirt with a skeleton. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's... I did play Undertale, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that game is strangely amazing. Like, I was not expecting 
I hear amazing yeah. things about it. Uh, if you don't get a chance, you definitely should head over twitch.tv slash Arcaneer. Arcaneer has been taking up the streaming. Uh, he's been doing a lot of streaming on his own. He's been doing some really cool stuff. And I think you should definitely give him a follow. If you're following DCN, you should follow him as well. So go check out his channel. Um, but he's been playing Undertale. And I've been watching while I'm at work because it's entertaining because he, he streams when I'm at work and I'm often bored. So I, uh, I watch Ark and, uh, I, I just, I don't well, know, dude. <laughs> I just don't thank know. Thank you for the sneak day shout out as well. Like, <laughs> yeah, no problem. No problem. But yeah, that game is great. I'm for, actually, that's, that would fall under Dungeon Crawler, yeah? Kinda, it does. It, it would. Uh, we could talk about it some other time, not on Tales, but some other some other time. Absolutely, we could definitely <laughs> do that. Um, I, I I wish I could say more about it, but from whenever I watch it with you, I'm just sitting there going, I have no idea what's going on. This is like someone designed well, this. I have no idea either. Like, <laughs> they, I'm, they just, I'm playing the game, but I have no idea either. They designed the entire game while on an acid trip. That's literally what I feel like is, is what they did. They had some bad shrooms. They did the entire game while high. And <laughs> I mean, hey, I, I can't complain really, that, but yeah, that's kind of what I what I feel like they did. And uh, <laughs> anyway, all right, continue. Yeah. So uh, we did veteran Dragon Star Arena with Drunkenborns over in uh, EU side. Mm -hmm. And I gotta say, I missed it a lot. Like, I haven't done it since we did it with, like, Kipster, you, and um, I... I don't remember who was the fourth. Was it Avi? What? It might have been Avi. It might have been Avi Optimal, yeah. yes. Because I think he was he was rocking the Templar heels at the time. Because it was yeah, you tanking, yeah, think... me DPSing, Kipster DPSing... Yep. And then, yeah, I think that sounds about right. I think it was Avi. But yeah, I haven't done it at all since uh, since we did it like that. And man, I think that's the best. That's still the best four man content in the game. Mm. The chaos, the, like, the difficulty is still there. Mm -hmm. To be honest, it felt more difficult than White Gold Tower on veteran hard mode and whatnot. And um, the chaos is there. The. Like the need of communication. Basically, it's everything I would want from a four-man dungeon. And um, yeah, I, I love it. That's there awesome. are things that I want to mention that I can't due to the uh, family friendliness of the show. But you do remember the names we put on. <laughs> yeah, creatures, right? I do remember the names that we put on those <laughs> on those specific. The flying one, the swinger. Yeah, yeah, the. <laughs> We'll call it the swinging anatomy. Uh, yep. But yeah. Oh, actually, it was not Avi, I think. It was one of um, Kipster's friends. Uh, I don't remember the name. Oh, I, I know exactly. S, I think. Yes. Uh, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, no. I, good times. It was good. And I don't think I've done it again since then. That's kind of the, the sad part. Like, I haven't even done it. Um, yeah, this is the first time for me as well. Like, and it's it's a lot more fun than most four man contents currently in the game. So um, we we definitely should do it again on North American side too. I I agree. I I love the group content, so I am all for 
doing that kind of stuff because that is something that I really do. I, I enjoy the four-man content. Group content is some of my favorite things to do in any game, to be honest. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, that is definitely something we should do again because I would be totally down for that. I wonder if they'll bring another like arena like Dragon Star Arena. Not just solo content, but you know, similar to Dragon Star Arena, but just with different mm-hmm. mechanics, different theme. Well, a- so far, I mean, obviously, something we're going to talk about later is the Clockwork City and their mini trial, the Asylum. Um, mm-hmm. Which it's a it's a trial, but it's not the same way as a normal trial. I don't, I, you know, I, I I wish I knew more about what all it contained, but. Um, like, I feel like we have three types of weapons now, right? Like, we have the, we have the, uh, the four man group content through master weapons. We yep. have the, uh, the solo Maelstrom. content through Maelstrom. And now we're going to have a 12 man content to get a master, essentially a master weapon via, um, asylum weapons. Asylum. Yes, the asylum. Yeah. So we have all of that now coming forward. Which is definitely cool. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's 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 for sure. Yeah, I just I'm curious, like, and, and I like the way they're doing the trial, which we'll talk about again. Maybe maybe we should hold on to the trial stuff, but I like the that they're providing options of doing it, not just difficulty, mm-hmm. but actual mechanical options. So, Ark, remind me to talk about that because that is something I I have a lot of info on, but I feel like it's better once we're done with tales. <laughs> okay, we'll do. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that's about it. Unfortunately, my tales <coughs> part, but uh, we didn't complete it. We got to the round before the last. Okay. And then man, man, tanking got so hard. I mean, it was utter chaos. The final you know, when, round uh, is tough too, because yeah, yeah, yeah. The, fi- the like the final round because it spawns three ads. Yep. Which has an instant shot mechanic, like the storm ring, whatever thing. Mm-hmm. The other one knocks you down, and the other one just chases you around. I don't remember what it does, but um, while our DPS was down, you know, killing the skeletons or ghosts, whatever down there, down the portal, Healer and I was trying to stay alive, and the resource drain is so hard. While you know, you have to keep running because one of them you have to kite around. Yep. Then you have to keep taunting them so they don't kill the healer. Then you have to block. Because there is, like, the one guy that gets to you, knocks you down, and the other ad kills you instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it was other chaos, and after a while, it was way too late as well, and people needed to sleep, so we stopped there. But, yeah, the chaos, I, I definitely missed that. Missed, yeah. the, missed DSA. Yeah, no, the DSA was one of my favorite things. And, I mean, obviously, I think we've, we've talked about that multiple times on this show, that some of the best times that we've ever had in this game. I mean, obviously all of us love the lore of this game. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I still play is lore for this game because it's so good. Uh, but one of the other things is this game is probably one of the most games. I've, one of the most fun games I've played it, when you actually play with other people, when you actually play with other people, it adds a level that you didn't think was there before. And it really shines. I mean, there have been other games that have some really good group content. I mean, I really can't say that one way or the other. But um, this one, its group content is 
I guess the way I want to say it is surprisingly good. Like, you wouldn't think it would be that good until you actually play it. And then you're like, wow, mm-hmm. okay. You know, there's more to this than meets the eye. And um, definitely, oh, yeah. definitely, definitely fun. And I encourage everyone to, you know, if you haven't already, to to get a chance and play it. So, um, and I just died because this character is weak. <laughs> Because it's a dragon knight. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Alright, look. There is one meta that won't change in this game. <laughs> it's the Dumbledore Dragon Knight combination. And you know that. Yeah. Dumbledore Dragon Knight Vampire plus Emperor. It's yeah. the one thing that this game won't ever change. So don't don't blame your weakness and noobness on the Dragon Knight. Okay? Alright. uh but anyway yeah i'm playing uh, a dragon knight right now because i'm just not ready to do anything on my other character yet so i'm playing her but she is she's weak she was she's a crafting alt essentially so i didn't really do a whole lot on her i've just done some basic stuff and i'm doing a uh a group dungeon right now for anyone who's watching the stream they can see me in here but uh yeah i'm just i'm messing around on her having having some fun with her trying to make her i think she's going to be a magica dk uh, but anyway, I did get a chance to do like two quests this week, uh, in Rothgar. And I actually looked at my list and I realized I only have like three locations left in Rothgar to do. And then I'm done with Rothgar. And, uh, well, I mean, uh, three, three locations and then, you know, finish up the main story, which some of the main story I'll finish just by doing those locations. But, um, yeah, then I'll be able to move on to Dark Brotherhood, and then after Dark Brotherhood is Morrowind. So that's exciting. Just skip Dark Brotherhood and get to Morrowind. I, I can't talk about it until you do. I know. And there's I'm, so much to talk I'm, about it. I'm going to hammer my way through uh, and and get some of this stuff done. That way we can, we can talk here. I'm actually going to dedicate... Uh, a day or two this week of just questing in ESO. Like, literally, that's all I'm going to do. So, and I just died, and it was awful. But anyway. <laughs> but, yeah, do, yeah. do Vardenfell as soon as you can. Do Vardenfell as soon as I can. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely want to visit Vardenfell because it's one of my favorite areas. And obviously, now that, you know, the um, Clockwork City is going to be coming out. Oh, my goodness, yes. So, I definitely want to do that. Um, but anyway, so I was running around, uh, running around Rothgar, right? Mm -hmm. And I noticed earlier in the week, like what I had done is I had started in Rothgar, you know, you start at the, at the merchant's gate or not merchant's gate. Maybe it is the merchant's gate. You know, when you Uh, first enter, apparently I'm cutting off a little bit, like on my end, you cut off to me. It's like you are cutting off every now and then, but Mernrat just said it's, like you are okay, but apparently I am cutting off. A bit, okay. So. All right. Um, my connection has been wonky today, so maybe it's um it's right. because of that. I mean, so far you've sounded okay. Like I've not had any okay. issues, so um, we'll okay. we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll keep going yeah, if let, we let have to. Let us know in chat, like if there are any audio issues and whatnot, so we can try to fix them. Yep, absolutely. Um. So, you know, you know, when you enter Rothgar, you enter from the one gate and you have the caravan and stuff like that. And that leads yep. you pretty much to the city, right? And you do a few quests mm-hmm. in the city. 
And then you start heading down south to find where uh, King Kurog is uh, fighting the Winterborn, right? At I forget the name of the place. Hold on. Maybe I can pull it up here on the stream. That way I know what I'm talking about. Uh, so you enter from the Merchant Gate. I was right. You enter into the city itself, and then they pretty much tell you that King Kurog is down at uh, Frostbeak Fortress. So that's kind of down to the south, kind of like not quite the middle, but the southern area. Uh, so what I had done was I started, like, you know how if you look at Rothgar here on the map, it's kind of split into three different areas. You have this uh, forest area, then you have this tundra area, and then you have this arctic area. Like, because there's, yep. you have the forest area to the far south, and kind of the middle is a tundra with kind of the yellow grass, very, very shrubs and stuff like that, followed by the snowy arctic-ish mountainous area. So... The natural course of events leads you down into the southern area to find King Kurog, and then it leads you back, and then you have to jump and help all the all the chieftains. So I've been working my way through that, right? But what I had done was I hadn't really picked up the main quest. I was just doing everything else first. So when I went down the southern area, I finished all that, and then I was doing the center, and then clearing up a few areas around Orsinium itself. So in reality, the only places I have left on the map for my main character is the Morkel Stronghold, uh, and then a few places to the north, such as Sorrow, the area where Stibbins is, and the Faroon Stronghold, I think, or uh, the Frozen Fleet. Those areas. That's literally the only place I have left. But I noticed in Honor's Rest, it was still black. I did like two quests in there, but it was still black, so I hadn't finished something. Um, I didn't know what. So what I did was I went back, and on my process of trying to find what I did, what I missed, obviously, uh, I ran across two of our friends, uh, mm. my two favorite uh, Dunmer brother and sisters, uh, who have an obsession with Dwemer, right? I'm yep. trying to remember their name. Uh, Kareth and someone else. Uh, her brother. I think it started with the R. But like... You are right. I just cannot remember what it is. And they're yeah. fun. Anytime I see them, I know Dwemer are involved. Because the, the brother is like obsessed with the Dwemer. The, the sister is an adventurer. And she always tries to get him out of trouble. Anyway. I find the guy. And he's like... Okay. Um... We, ha we have kind of an issue here. We need you to go find a Dwemer Sphere that I uh, inadvertently, will say, um, overcharged, and now it's wrecking havoc everywhere. <laughs> the sister's like, just, just kill it, right? And the brother's like, no, don't kill it. It's awesome. So I, I had to track this thing. Like, cause it's running around like crazy, just all over. It started in the south, by the way. Um, and I'm going to pull up the map here again. This quest just leads you everywhere because you have to find him. It starts here in the south of Rothgar. Like, it literally starts uh, already here. It, it's If you look at the map right now, it's very close to this Boreal Forge area. So, like, I was heading up to Honor's Rest to try to figure out what I didn't have. And right along here, uh, near the Boreal Forge, somewhere along in this this vicinity anyway... They came up and it was like there was an issue, and I'm following this guy. And you could probably see my mouse as I'm as I'm leading. It's going up the road. It's going north. It stopped by the uh, 
the exiles barrow you know like with the all the mm-hmm. and then it's going further i think it ended somewhere like right outside orsinium if i remember correctly it ended uh very close to the traders road waypoint from where it's and it started all the way down here near the boreal forge and it just kept walking me all over the place uh, so I eventually did finish that one. It was very annoying, but I did finish it. And uh, then I was like, "All right, I'm done. I'm. I'll see you later. I'm going back. Uh, I'm going back. You know, to to Honor's Rest. Now, Honor's Rest was fun because what I essentially found out was that in Honor's Rest, there are, to the south. And again, I'll pull up the map because I should have done this when I was talking about it, but I didn't. Like, you get into Honor's Rest somewhere along this path, like right over here somewhere, like right next to the coffin. But if you follow the path up north, almost to the very southern border, there is a camp, like right up here, of people. They are, uh, I don't think they're Mage's Guild, if I remember correctly. I don't think they're Mage's Guild. But they're a group of scholars who are trying to figure out the secrets of Honor's Rest. And there's these two scholars, one's a Red Guard, and one's an Orc. And they are fighting over whether or not Honor's Rest <clears throat> was, <clears throat> excuse me, the burial tomb of an orc champion or if it was the burial tomb of like one of the greatest sword masters in Redguard history. Um, why it's fascinating is because while you're doing this, you're going into this tomb to gather these urns to open the gate, right? But while doing so, you end up um, finding, like, looking into the memories of the people, and it was showing a war, probably during the founding of the like the 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 sack of the second city of Orsinium, right, where the the Bretons from the south were marching up with their allied forces, and the orcs were trying to guard and all that fun stuff, and here, essentially, what had happened, and I think it was really neat is. The two forces didn't really want to fight each other. Like, the orcs and the red guards actually respected one another in terms of fighting prowess, that they weren't actually going to fight one another. Uh, but through some trickery from the Breton king, which seems about right, because um, he's not a Nord, obviously, that he, um, they, they were going to duel for the city to end the bloodshed. And instead, what had happened was they uh, they tricked and killed both opponents, both both orc and red guard champions. Um, there we go. There, oh, that yeah, I can hear you now, Ark. Right? Okay. Did, did you have things you were gonna? No, I I didn't hear you before. So oh. I I sort of figured as I was talking and and you weren't talking that there was an issue. But anyway. Yeah, I was um, just making like understanding noises, but other than that, I was just listening at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> so you find out that these two warriors like really respected one another because they were both incredibly, you know, prowess at at fighting, yeah. and uh, through treachery of of one of the commander's lieutenants, because the commander was going to allow the duel to happen if the orc won, that the Breton forces would withdraw from Marcinium, and if the um, if the if the red guard if the red guard won that the orcs would withdraw from Orsinium, right? And that was that was the honorable duel, but uh, the the um, 
treacherous Breton lieutenant ended up killing both of them. And it was cool because the Red Guard was pretty much like, listen, you know, his final wish was to die uh, in whatever land he fell because he didn't really have a home. So he was going to be buried in Orsinium um, and wish to honor his opponent, which was the Orc. So both of them were buried in the same sepulcher, just right apart from one another. And they actually built a statue commemorating their battle. It was really cool to see. I, I really liked it. It was something that I thought was really neat. Um, and you actually end up getting to, you know, take out the 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 bad lady. Treacherous Breton? Yeah, the treacherous Breton. Oh, nice. Yeah, you get yeah. to get rid of her. I definitely should complete Rothgar. Like, I haven't yet. You would really like Rothgar. Like, I really it's like Rothgar. So everyone says, yeah. I really like Rothgar, so I know you'll really like it. And it's actually mm-hmm. one of those zones where I... Uh, I know getting into play right now is really hard for me and I don't want to rush Rothgar because I will regret it later. If I do, you know, like thieves guild, I had no problem. Like I'll rush thieves guild. I don't really care. (laughs) Uh, but Rothgar every time I go into it is something that I really like. Cause I don't even really care for the orcs. Orcs aren't really my thing, but the whole area, the aesthetic, the story. Oh, it's fantastic. And, uh, Rothgar is, definitely one of my favorites so i definitely encourage people to do rothgar it's definitely the best zone edition that's been put into the game mm-hmm. as a dlc yes absolutely well it might might change with clockwork city though I know. uh you know what maybe looks so good maybe maybe i don't know clockwork city is one of those i have a very special place in my heart for clockwork city uh so yeah it yeah, it could be a thing. It really could be a thing um, whenever Clockwork City comes in. So that was pretty much what I did this week. I mean, that that is kind of kind of it. Now, before we roll into the news, obviously, we got to do a shout out for all of those who support us over at patreon.com slash dungeon crawler network we are the pbs of podcast we have no external funding other than my own wallet and what our generous fans actually give us which is amazing you guys are all awesome and we really do appreciate that uh so if you are so inclined head on over patreon.com slash dungeon crawler network helps us keep the lights on and allows us to do fun stuff and continue providing you with the con all the content that DCN does. And we do quite a few shows now, obviously, if you follow our entire list of items. Um, and uh, by donating uh, as little as $1 a month, you get all of our podcasts up, well, I say at least 24 hours early, sometimes longer. I know some of our... Uh, um, ashes of creation followers get their shows almost a week early because i tend to record that because it's not done live that show is done uh offline and then i edit and do all that fun mm-hmm. stuff uh they get a lot of their shows very early because i finish them early and i finish them and just provide them so you, they can just binge listen if they so desire uh you're also entered into our monthly raffle where Every month we pick a winner from those who currently support us and uh, you get something. Uh, it depends. Last month uh, we gave away a copy of Age of Empires 2 HD edition 
Other times it'll be DCN t-shirts and apparel and other little goodies, game codes, whatever it is that uh, I feel I want to give that week or that month and uh, go from there. And obviously I announce it at the beginning of the month. So it's not a, what do I have laying around thing? It's, this is what we're giving away this month. Um, you can also support us over at twitch.tv slash dungeon crawler network. Uh, I definitely encourage people. If you have Amazon prime, which so many people do nowadays, you can get a free sub. And if you are so inclined, you can use it on us. And that is definitely helpful. Our arc because arc is now also right. subbed. So that is also someone. So either dungeon crawler network or arc in here. Do one of them. You have no excuse. Do one. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and roll right on into the news. So there's not a lot of news this week, but today, this very day that we are recording, in fact, uh, they had ESO Live. Now, what they did was they gave us a first look at the Clockwork City, the zone itself. Now, both Ark and I watched this. Ark, what what were your first thoughts of Clockwork City? All right, so... um... It was as machinery as I expected it. Mm-hmm. Then I, can I give you a spoiler from Vardenfell already? Yeah, because, uh, I'm fine with that. But uh, spoiler alert for anyone who has not finished Vardenfell. Uh, this this is spoiler, so skip ahead about uh, 30 seconds. Just, yeah, yeah. Um, you enter Clockwork City in Vardenfell mm-hmm. just for just for a part of it, just for part of the quest. So. I had an idea how it would look already. Okay. So um, that's why I wasn't like, wow, because I was expecting it. Then again, even the way I expected it, it's still great. It's still amazing. Um, I definitely, like one of my favorite things is when you look up, you actually see the, um, what would it be called? The, like the containment module or whatever that yeah, is uh, yeah. of the Clockwork City. That's that's one of the love the things because I, I it looks great. Um, other than that, ev- pretty much everything is metal, as they said on ESO Live. That is mm-hmm. also great. Even the water is actually oil, like yeah, engine oil. <laughs> so I did see uh, that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, overall, uh, the look of it is great. The creatures that they made are awesome, and mm-hmm. one of my other favorite parts. Is that the new armor set? It looks so good. It does. It looks like you actually transform your body into like your arms, the way it covers your arms. It looks like you actually get a Dwemer arm ish. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely going. That's going to be my next go to set. Skin changer is going to change, and whatever that set is called, that's that's going to come into play. I see. Yeah. Um, first impressions are like this, yeah. Gotcha. Now, one of the things that I was really excited about, like this is something, you know, I, I got excited about because this was a question that I had, not playing Vardenfell, but I have played Morrowind. Obviously, I'm sitting here thinking, where are they going to put this? Because here's, here's the thing. You got to enter Clockwork City in the Tribunal expansion of Morrowind. A lot of the lore surrounding the Clockwork City is just like Sothisil himself being very mysterious. No one knew the location of this city. Like, 
No one knows where it's at. People theorized that it was on uh, the mainland, right? But no one really knew where Clockwork City was. And I mean, obviously, from the description and when we finally do get to see it, it's huge, right? Like, it's just massive. Um, Well, a lot of that is because, you know, the way they described it is they did it and and this was it's funny if you listen to episode 153 i pretty much think we predicted this cuz i said the only way i'd really like to see is maybe they'll add it to the overworld map like they do with an extra level of like a daedric realm right and they did just that they added it to the overworld yeah. but it appears as a circle like when we see cold harbor which i'm really excited about because just like the dwemer disappearance i like the fact that there was mystery surrounding the um the location of the clockwork city right Mm -hmm. that was something i thought was really cool and i didn't want to see that like spoiled so like you enter clockwork city through underneath morrowind or not underneath morrowind underneath mournhold which i felt was fitting because if i remember and this was several years ago that i played i feel like there was a portal underneath morrowind is how you got to the 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 tribe or uh, clockwork city anyway in tribunal and it would have fit because almost the entire um the the entire expansion of tribunal took place in mournhold like that was literally the entire expansion for tribunal mm-hmm. so I haven't got that point yet so I don't know but I do remember like uh Soda Seals Vault thing that's mm-hmm. a thing right soda seals vault yep that it's i don't know from where but i remember it being under at least theorized that it's under almalexia's temple or something like that but yep and I don't that's know if you told at. me that or yeah yeah, I... yeah that's yeah so i'm really really excited that that is the route they took because it it just it feels right you know what I mean? Like it feels right. And that was one of the major concerns that I had that it was going to be some location on the map. And I'm like, well, if it wasn't canon before it is now, you know, like that's always kind of the issue, right? Whenever ESO does something, if it, if it varies from the lore that we know, it's essentially canon at that. I know some people would say, no, ESO doesn't count. Well, Elder Scrolls is, online is an elder scrolls game sorry whether you like it or you don't like it it's an elder scrolls game so you're gonna have to deal with it um i mean i can understand when they have to change a part of the lore to fit to mmorpg aspect of something yes but it is also good always good see that they try to stick to the lore as well yeah yeah, I know some things they change for, like you said, those the MMORPG aspects of 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 the game, um, but a lot of those things are minor, with the exception of probably, obviously, one of the biggest issues was the idea of Cyrodiil being not a jungle anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was definitely one of those retcons or whatever that people look at and still to this day go, yeah, that was a a major flop and. I personally believe the lore explanation they gave is 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 full of it. Like it was to play on the nostalgia factor of everyone in Oblivion. It was a marketing ploy, not a lore ploy. 
Um, and I'll stand by that to this day. I think it's very weak and it is one of the major failings that I see in ESO. But a lot of the other ones are, are, are minor. You know, that was big. That was a big one. And there's no way of really getting around it. Like they're, like I said, their lore book does not make sense. It's just, it's crap. But you have to accept it or you don't play, right? <laughs> it, there's no, there's no way of changing that, unfortunately. So, like, I'm glad that, like, with this, they kept it. Because keeping that mystery was something that I really, really liked. Because I didn't want... I didn't want them to to ruin that mystery, right? Because that mystery was something that was really, really cool. And I like the way they did it. The way they did it is very fitting. And I, I'm I'm really glad about that. Um, obviously the map itself is really freaking awesome. Uh, everything kind of has a metallic sheen to it. It's all Sothasil's, you know, projects, both abandoned and not the observatory. Oh my goodness. That is so cool. The way they designed it. But uh, every time there's an observatory in, in ESO or elder scrolls in general, it always looks good. Cause I mean, I'm thinking of the ones inside us uh, in Skyrim, right? Those are gorgeous. Uh, the one in, oh, it's in Rothgar, actually. It is in the underneath the Greystone Quarry when you find it down there. Mm-hmm. That one is gorgeous. Like they're all gorgeous. They all look great. And uh, it's something that I really enjoy. So, um, and of course, then we also see the, uh, the the wizard priest or whatever they are wizard monks his his little order and they've all mechanically altered themselves to be like sotha sill and we're gonna see sotha sill that's obviously something that's really really exciting for me because he's one of my favorite tribunal um i'm just hoping that uh i'm hoping that they they do him justice because obviously he is one of the weirdest of the group so mm-hmm. I want to see him done properly, I guess is the best I think way to say. they will do it because like if you look at Almalexia, it's very like she was in the base game and she's just a Dunmer made shiny and flying. Yeah. And then if you look at Vivek, you can see the improvement. Like you can actually see the um a color difference and he he's shining, he's holding a rock and whatnot. So I think they're improving on that aspect, and I think they will do justice. But then again, I never met Sorasil in Morrowind yet. Uh, I haven't got to got that far. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm quite excited about meeting Sorasil because Vivek. Okay, he's holding a rock in the air and he's floating. He's powerful. Almalexia, I don't know how powerful she is, but Sorasil is, I guess, considered the most powerful of the tribunal in a sense maybe because of his mysteries but also the fact that he's making pacts with the Edric princes and whatnot he has his own dimensional city in in a mini mini like yeah word. yeah in in essentially i know what you mean in another dimension if you will or another yeah. plane of existence because i don't like to use the term daedric planes because we don't we don't mm-hmm. it's not necessarily daedra uh, in fact, it was really funny because when they made that claim on ESO Live, the chat room, and I love it, my lore, my, my, 
my lore Nazis out there were going nuts, going, it's not Daedric. And then I saw someone point out, it's not a Daedric realm, it's tower lore. And I'm like, I could kiss you. <laughs> I know uh, Mark from Elder Scrolls Off the Records probably like pulling his hair out whenever tower lore is mentioned. But anytime I hear tower lore, I get a little excited. <laughs> I love the idea of tower lore. Um, but yeah, that, I thought that was neat that like the, and the one guy corrected it. He was like, no, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's not, uh, you know, it's not what yeah. you're saying. It's not Daedric. It's, uh, it's something else. Right. And I thought that was really cool. Cause that was something that, uh, I, I'm really happy they went with. So, yep. I guess that's kind of, kind of it. I mean, from what otherwise, what you saw, right. Did you have anything else? Uh, one thing they mentioned was interesting. Um, someone asked how, like, how do you make the crafting nodes? Like, how do you get a cornflower or whatever if everything is metal, right? Um, and everything is crafted by um, soda sill? The answer seemed. I know bit, uh, it, it was uh, it was one of those answers like the. Uh, the why why Cyrodiil is in a jungle. It was like yeah yeah I know what it was. It was like oh we what have lots of travelers is, right yeah 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 and they Tra- drop travelers stuff. brought it themselves <laughs> yeah I mean who cares rubidite ore and just happens to drop it somewhere I don't know I mean then again I don't know how they would lore wise do that and implement the zone into crafting system like the gathering. I don't think uh, that they really needed to think too much about it. I think they overthought it and you know, it's just like like with any of the other planes of existence, you know, like uh there mm-hmm. were stuff in the other ones. Well, you know, we absorbed, you know, it's it's obviously this plane was made of some part of Monday. You know, like you don't have to I think they just overexplained it to the point where it's kind of like all right. I mean, they they might be feeling anxious about it, stuff like that, with you and other lore nuts like you watching everything they do. So, perhaps, but I think something along that's like, oh, well, how is there a rubidite here? I'm like, at some point, and I know this is weird coming from me because you know, obviously, as the game, as the lore guy, I never think gameplay should all the time trumpet. But there's some things where it's just like, okay, there's metal. We got it. There's mm-hmm. ore. Who cares? No, I, I like the fact that they even made, like, um, vegetations, um, leaves and whatnot. I think I, I couldn't see as clearly in the stream, but yeah. I think they mentioned that it has metal-ish leaves, like petals, yep. rather than... Even, that's, that's awesome. Like, that attention... Oh, okay. I remember what I love the most, the way shrines. <laughs> Mm, yes. The way shrines look awesome. It's just beautiful. They they do. They look so good. They kept that that idea of that the the circle motif, the uh the the, the orb motif mm-hmm. is definitely yeah. looks really really good and I'm really glad they did it that way. Yeah, basically overall, I think they outdone themselves in art department overall in creation of Clockwork City. Right. And again, how long had we known that this was coming? Well, this they've... was one of the very early mentioned DLCs, right? It was. We knew about it. 
Well, here's the thing. We knew about it all the way back at QuakeCon, like the first QuakeCon. Yeah, yeah. But um, here's here's the other thing that that they let it slip that they this was one of they've had these assets for years. Do you remember that? They actually let that slip yeah. where it's like, hey, we've had these assets for years. We've just it was a project we were going to do early on in the beginning, and it never you know came to fruition essentially, but. They they said like this is something that we already had right and hmm. so I I didn't catch that yeah oh, that's I interesting just got killed by a guard because I attacked it <laughs> that's Fine. that's interesting yeah I mean um it does look a lot better and a lot polished when compared to like Gold Coast or Hughes Bane because I mean Hughes Bane is just same his his bane is just smaller alikir desert yeah and um gold coast is just well it's not too different like it had it added uh, minotaurs and whatnot some yeah. different creatures yeah but other than that this looks like it has it has a very different feeling to the previous zones and whatnot so right. then again most of the assets are devemer looking even mm-hmm. though they specifically mentioned they are not the Vemur, but they are sort of Sil. Yes. And apparently that's offensive to Dunmers, like yeah. claiming these are the Vemur. Well, they were at war with the, the Dwemer, so yeah, they're they're essentially mortal enemies, if you will, of each other. So yeah, they would be offended. At well, that point. then Soda Sil shouldn't have straight up copied the Vemur structures. This is pretty much true. It does. I know they they're like, oh, his stuff is different, but he was inspired a lot by the Dwemer. It's like, well, yeah, I I guess. All right, whatever. Yeah, over overall, they look great, so I'm fine with that. Right. I, uh, I'm curious as to what the different um, creature animations we will get to. Like in Hrothgar, there are guys that teleport up or just jump up and then drop on you with a shining light mm-hmm. the trinamac uh, devotees yeah 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 so i'm i'm curious to see what new attacks we will see as well that would be interesting i agree i hope they added some of those to playable characters as well i would like to see that especially like that jumping thing for templars would be yeah. awesome but we will definitely see uh, final thing before we move on, what did you think about zone size? I mean, we got to see it. I mean, we knew it was going to be two delves, two world bosses. It's going to be of similar size. And maybe it was just the way that it was shaped, but it looked kind of tiny to me. Like, tinier than what I remember uh, Hughes Bane and and uh, Dark Brotherhood. I have to, I have to check it. Because um, I didn't pay attention to it during ESO Live. Oh, that's fine. Like, you know, I, I mean, I knew they were going to be small. That's not, they said it's going to be similar to those. So there we go. I get it. It's just, it seemed small to me. And now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, I'm like, I guess maybe it wasn't. Hughes Bane was pretty tiny when you when you got into it, right? It didn't, didn't take long, but mm-hmm. yeah, it is what it is. I mean, it also depends on how they design the level. Like, you could have a very small area, but if you, I guess, design it correctly, you you would end up feeling like it's actually a quite larger right. land. 
because they make you like go up, down, horizontal, yes. vertical, um, spirals, and whatnot. Uh, one, you know, I've been playing a lot of Guild Wars two lately, and uh, it, it's funny you mentioned that because that was something they did with their zones in in Heart of Thorns. They the zones were smaller in comparison to like the overworld zones. But they were multiple, la- like they had multiple layers. There was like an undergrowth, uh, a ground level, a canopy level. There, were, these zones were just insanity when you looked at them. Like when you look down from a map view, you're like, eh, it doesn't look that big. And then when you yeah. got into the zone, you're like, oh my goodness, what just happened here? You're right. If the if they design with verticality in mind and depth, then. Yes, the maps could be a lot larger than they appear. I just I've not seen ESO do depth in in that in that way. I mean, some cities maybe like Orsinium kind of has a lot more depth than the other cities. Like they made it look bigger than all mm-hmm. the other cities because the other cities obviously are a pet peeve of mine. You know, in an MMO, your entire population is supposed to live in three huts and a campfire. Like that doesn't make <laughs> sense to me. Um, but you know, Orsinium, while still not as big as some MMO cities I've seen, they did a good job with the verticality of it and the way it feels bigger than what it really is. Mm-hmm. Like if you literally sat down and thought about the numbers, well, it's only five houses and a castle. And I mean, that... that's the entire Elder Scrolls, though, right? I mean, yes. In Skyrim, you look at White Run and. It looks like there is only hundred people living in White Run. There is actually hundred people. people. Living in I was going to say a hundred. <laughs> really? I know. I know. I get. I get what you mean. Because there's also stories like from these different wars and stuff, like the Battle of White Run, where the you know the the armies of the uh, Imperials came against the the Nordic rebels, and it was like thousands of people. I'm like, where would they fit? You know, like. <laughs> How could there be thousands? Just five people shooting arrows at each other. Yeah, and yeah. Screaming. I know what you mean. There is that level of disbelief that you have to suspend, or else you're never gonna understand. It's the same with the Imperial City, the hub of of civilization. That's th- you know six districts, right? Mm-hmm. And in those districts are like three. Obviously, ESO made the districts bigger. Like they felt like there were more houses and stuff like that, but even yeah. so, it wasn't a ton. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like, oh my goodness, look at all these houses. Because um, in reality, if it were any other, like, well, of course, then when you played, uh, you know, Oblivion, it's like, oh, you're in the Merchant District, four buildings. You know, <laughs> it's like, okay, you're saying yeah. that your I entire mean- city has six merchants all together. Yeah, there's a level of disbelief that you have to do because of hardware. Yeah, then that's one thing, actually. I mean, I know it's a long way from now, if ever, Elder Scrolls 6. But one thing Todd Howard mentioned was that something about insufficient technology and hardware. So what I'm hoping when and if Elder Scrolls 6 comes along with the greater CPU power and whatnot we have at that year i guess it will be 2020 plus um we will have a lot more 2030 five i i i don't i don't think 2030 i i (laughs) I think something along the lines of 21 
Perhaps I think it's probably a little longer than that. But anyway, yeah. But yeah, you know what I'm. You know what I mean. I know what you're saying. With, with Elder Scrolls Six, hopefully we'll have solutions to these problems. Well, not really problems, but game design issues that you can't just avoid because of the the technology is already there. Like, I mean, look at The Witcher Three. Look at Novigrad. Like Novigrad, I don't know about it. Yeah, well, you've been to Novigrad. Like, you've played Witcher 3, right? No. Oh, okay. Um, what I'm going to do for you is after we're done with this stream, I'm going to actually boot up Witcher 3 and go to Novigrad for you so you can see. <laughs> <laughs> the technology is there. I mean, obviously, it'll be better, but if you've looked at Novigrad as a city... It's it's gorgeous. Like it actually feels like a living city. Just be even based on the fact that people run around and they have conversations independent of you being there as a player. And uh yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I'll I'll always and, be and the advocate for Todd Howard, I guess. I know, I know. Um but chat room made a good point. Before TES six comes out, we still have to get Skyrim mobile. I'm waiting for the Pip-Boy version. The, the Pip-Boy version of Skyrim? Yeah. You can literally boot in to Fallout 4, pull up your Pip-Boy, and then play Skyrim. So it's like Inception. <laughs> it's a game within a game. It's all cool. You know, what? People, someone, I don't know who, but on Twitter, someone mentioned, like, one of the Elder Scrolls Bethesda people mentioned, I don't know if it was Pete Hines or not, uh, mentioned two games, two new games um, before to before some deadline. I don't remember for and Elder Scrolls then, Six. He's I remember the quote you're saying, and it was specifically he said. No, 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 no. Actually, I'm not. I'm not talking about that. Oh. It's, this is this is a close range deadline. I think it was either something like before 2018 or something like that. Okay. And then they yeah. announced uh, Doom and. Was it Wolfenstein Switch versions? Uh, so, oh yeah, yep. I don't know if he was talking about those as new games, but I hope not, because mm. at that rate, we will never get Elder Scrolls Six. Well, and never. and I don't I don't think those those games actually count, because uh, I know the quote people say, and they try to use Wolfen or uh, is it Wolfenstein or e- or uh, Evil Within Two or whatever. I think I, there is, yeah, Evil Within 2. There is Wolfenstein 2 as well. Yes. Like, both of them are there. But, and some people are like, well, those count. You know, they said two games coming out before Elder Scrolls 6. I remember that quote. The quote was specifically two new IPs before right. Elder right. Scrolls yeah. 6. The Evil Within 2 is the Evil Within, you know, IP. Wolfenstein 2 is the Wolfenstein IP. Those are not the IPs, mm-hmm. so... I know some people are like, oh, well, they are, they're already releasing these two games. That means Elder Scrolls 6 is next. No, they, Todd Howard said two new IPs before. Um, well, one of which is probably that space game everyone was talking about, which I never heard before. And um, earlier this month, I think, um, I saw, in, saw something that um, I may have linked it in Discord as well. Um, Bethesda Game of Thrones game. That came out to be a rumor. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, well, that, I mean, that, that was debunked. <laughs> okay. I yeah. didn't con- like 
did a follow-up research on it or anything but oh it's okay a lot of people reported on it and I, it actually i think took bethesda coming out and be like no we're not doing that because a lot of people <laughs> reported it as fact yeah so yeah not a big deal because like i said a lot of people nice was like yeah this is gonna happen you know no it's not not but cool. well yeah yeah basically a long time before Elder Scrolls 6. I, and, and just try to stay alive. Just as long try as to you stay can, alive. And you might actually get to play it before you die. Maybe. So Depends how healthy you are. Um, uh, t- med- medical technology is advancing. It, if it's if anything, we will just put ourselves in Cairo, Cyrus Leap or whatever it's called and yep. wake up 200 years later. <laughs> and we'll see. <laughs> wow. Skyrim VR 3D X2. No Elder Scrolls 6 yet. Put me back under. <laughs> Put me back under. Skyrim yeah. on Mars. Skyrim on Mars. Skyrim on Atari. Uh, yeah, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. More Skyrim jokes. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just can't believe it. Um, but, uh, yeah. And, I mean, let's face it, folks. Uh, we know for a fact that when Elder Scrolls 6 comes out, a lot of the populace who plays ESO is going to stop for Elder Scrolls 6. I can tell you right now, my buddies over at Elder Scrolls Off the Record, the only other ESO podcast that I still think is going, well, I know they're going. I don't know if anyone else still is or if they're intermediate. You know, the only guys who are still covering this game in the Elder Scrolls series, I know as soon as Elder Scrolls 6 comes out, they're not going to be talking ESO. They're not going to be talking ESO. Um, and, I mean, you know, they, they do these crown crates and all this, their monetization stuff. They're not going to, why would you want to essentially shoot yourself in the foot, monetarily wise, when there's still life to be had in ESO? They will wait until the numbers show that ESO is in its decline before releasing Elder Scrolls Six. Because why else would you risk losing all all that cash cow, you know? Like you're, they're making yeah. too much money off of ESO right now to go. Oh, let's let's just you know make everyone stop playing ESO so they can play Elder Scrolls Six that we can't monetize as well because let's face it, modders and stuff will put stuff in for free. So you know, let's yep. stick with the game we can heavily monetize and uh, get lots of money because that's what they're doing. Well, I mean. Eventually. I mean, it would be. I mean, speaking from a purely logical point of view, that would. That's what I would do. You know, like if if this. You know, obviously, I hate the idea of the money, but you know, if I had someone who's offering me a job, right, and it was like a flat job, and they're like, it's it's you can grab it whenever you want. You earn like a hundred thousand dollars off of it, okay? But that's it, right? Uh, or you could have this other job here that doesn't pay a hundred thousand or whatever, but it's going to be consistent until you're ready to give it up. Well, obviously I'm not, you know, because you can't go back to it, right? Why would I want to go back? Why would I? Why would I leave the 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 monthly income for a one-time shot that I then have to once that money's gone, I have to figure out. Well, now what do I do? You know. I would ride the the monthly thing till I was tired of it or bored of it or whatever the case may be, and then move on to the next thing. Yeah. But anyway, 
It is what it is. Is it is. Well, that's kind of the end of our news for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, so it's time for probably one of my favorite things. The lore. The read. The read. Uh, we are back once again with yet another, another 36 lessons of Vivek. We are up to Sermon 11. All right. You ready, Ark? Hopefully, my, uh, I'm going to take a drink here first. Cause I'm, no, I'm, I'm pulling the sermon up as well. In the meantime, sermon 11, Vivek 36. There we go. Right, I'm ready. Okay, all right. So, so begins the 36 lessons of Vivek, sermon 11. These were the days of Resdanya. When the Chimer and the Dwemer lived under the wise and benevolent rule of the Am Salvi and their champion, the Hortator. When the gods of Veloth would retreat unto their own to mold the cosmos and the other matters, the Hortator would at times become confused. Vivek would always be there to advise him, and this is the first of the three lessons of ruling kings. The waking world is an amnesia of dream. All motifs can be mortally wounded. Once slain, themes turn into structure of future nostalgia. Do not abuse your powers or they will lead you astray. They will leave you like rebellious daughters. They will lose their virtue. They will become lost and resentful and finally become pregnant with the seed of folly. Soon you will be the grandparent of a broken state you will be mocked it will fall apart like the stone that recalls that which is really water keep nothing in your house that is neither needed or beautiful ordeals you should face unimpeded by the world of restriction the splendor of stars is im's domain the selfishness of sea is sexed I rule the middle air, all else is earth, and under your temporal command. There is no bone that cannot be broken, except the heart bone. You will see it twice in your lifetimes. Take what you can the first time, and let us do the rest. There is no true symbolism of the center. The Charmat will believe there is. He will feel that which he can cause years of exuberance from sitting in the sacred, when really no one can leave the state and cause anything more but strife. There is but once more the case of the symbolic and barren, the true prince that is cursed and demonized will be abhorred at last with full hearts. According to the codes of Minfala, there can be no official art, only fixation points of complexity that will erase from the awe of the people given enough time. This is a secret that hides another, an impersonal survival that is not the way of, of a ruling king. Embrace the art of the people and marry it, and by that I mean secretly have it murdered. The ruling king that sees in another his equivalent rules nothing. The secret of weapons is this, they are the mercy seat. The secret of language is this, it is immobile. 
The ruling king is armored, head to toe, in brilliant flame. He is redeemed by each act he undertakes. His death is only a diagram back to the waking world. He sleeps the second way. The Charmot is his double, and therefore you wonder if you rule nothing. Hortator and Charmot, one and one, eleven, an inelegant number. Which is the ones that is more important? Could you ever tell if they switch places? I can, and that is why you will need me. According to the codes of Minfala, there is no difference between the theorist and the terrorist. Even the most cherished desire disappears in their hands. This is why Minfala has black hands. Bring both of yours to every argument. The one-handed king finds no remedy. When you approach God, however, cut them both off. God has no need of theory, and he is armored head to toe in terror. The ending of the words is Alm Silvi. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was fun. I, I, I oh, love yeah. doing those. Those are so much fun. <laughs> um, did you enjoy the reading arc? Oh, yeah, I did. And I was <laughs> like, there's one thing that will upset you, but I almost laugh. Um, when you make these, like, read these in that tone of voice uh -huh. with your beard, it's slow. But then I imagined read you reading this without your beard. And oh. <laughs> I almost laughed. Oh. <laughs> because the beard and your voice, like, your voice goes very nice like very solid with the beard you you have that bearded nordic voice yep and now i <laughs> now i feel like a breton and or an altmer <laughs> or something like that yeah i know it it takes away i'm <sighs> yeah <laughs> now i'm sad but yeah the reading itself was as always amazing i have a lot of fun reading those those are really really fun um I'm not going to try it one time. You should. I, yeah. You really oh, should. I don't I... know how to like pronounce half of these. <laughs> well, um, something I, I really wanted to point out, uh, is when I, when I was, when I was reading these, I, I really, really wonder sometimes what, uh, Michael Kirkbride was thinking when he wrote these because a lot of what was written was I guess modified from other religious texts like I see words and phrases uh, from the Christian Bible brought in such as uh, when he talks about the mercy seat um, I I obviously just got done reading through uh, uh, Deuteronomy numbers in, in, in the Bible and uh, they talked about the Ark of the Covenant for God and the mercy seat was where God rested on the Ark of the Covenant for the Jews um, in, in Israel. So it's fascinating that so many of these key terms that I keep seeing when I read this, I feel like they were pulled from other religions and other hmm. other texts and then thrown together, which is why it does have that very, you know, uh, religious feel i mean it was written like that right this is the the way this was written is like the dunmary bible if you will or religious text <laughs> um 
for for the for the Dunmary people. Mm-hmm. And I just I thought it was neat when I was reading it that I I found words and phrases that I knew from other places and that I've not seen other places. Maybe I'm wrong uh and someone can correct me, but the idea of a mercy seat was something that was first, you know, brought to me from from uh studying the Bible. And I don't know where else it was ever used or if it was ever used in any context or if it was adopted from that point. So it, it's just a term that in my experience hasn't been outside of, of Christian religion, right? So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is used in other contexts. I don't know, but I, I, was, mm-hmm. I found that interesting. The other thing that's really, really interesting that I, I found was one of the people on the Imperial Library wrote this, and I thought it was neat because they left a note. And normally there's not a lot of notes on these, at least not the early ones, but they left something here that I thought was neat. They said, Note how the sermons casually gloss over the history of the First Council's ascension to high power. All right? First, Nerevar is a simple warrior who brings Vivek to Mornhold City. Then, without explanation, Nerevar becomes the Hortator and wins the war. Later, it's suddenly the benevolent rule of the Amsalvi and the Hortator. Between, obviously, with we're on Sermon 11, right? So we're not even a third of the way through the 36 lessons right now. And the tribunal is in full power, right? They are in full power and majesty as the ruling people of the Dunmer. But in the first sermons, it was showing that Vivek is, you know, he is what he is. Like he sees the egg inside Vivek and, and, and Nerevar is nothing but a warrior in a merchant caravan, right? Now I am and, and set, uh, are around, but there are no way I, at this point, I believe considered the tribunal ascension, right They're They, they may be ruling parties, but they're not the tribunal at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then within, I think it was not last episode cause it's or episode eight. I think it was not episode eight. Uh, sermon eight is when you start seeing, uh, Nerevar becoming the Hortator. You know, in more, in, in, in essence, like they, he's just all, they refer to him as the Hortator or in this abstract of, you must find the Hortator, but never really tied in with Nerevar until around lesson nine when it talks about the, the invading Nords from the north. And all of a sudden he is the Hortator, right? He is the commander and he's leading the forces, but there's no explanation of how they came to power, right? Like, it's something that they left out completely. And I think a lot of that is because how they came to power was through treachery and deceit. And, you know, they, they don't, they gloss over that mm-hmm. fact, which yeah. a lot of things have been said with, with Vivek is to remember that he's a poet and by nature of being a poet, he's a liar. Right? Yeah. They, I mean, they, if you think about it, with, with that much power, not, he, they may as well just slaughtered half of Morrowind and got the power as well. Yeah, and very well they could have. But remember, history is written by the victors, not the ones yeah. conquered. So they could say whatever they wanted. If no one's there to tell you otherwise, you know, you you could say what you want. 
All right. And that's just the way of the world at this point. Um, but so I find that fascinating and I like that someone else noticed that as well. Like the library notes mm -hmm. literally say that as well. Like, Hey, they all of a sudden we're looking at tribunal being the fully realized tribunal, but there's no discussion whatsoever about how they became that. I mean, obviously with any time there is political upheaval or a change in regime, there's it, it's very rarely is it ever a peaceful thing, right? There's normally resistance. There's always somebody who's like, hey, you know, we don't like this. You know, we're losing our power and we're not going to give it up willingly. There's always an issue. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that was fascinating. They said it. Um, the other thing that's of note, and I know you may have noticed this, but people playing ESO probably won't because the character is there, but probably doesn't play a role in the story. Not having played the story, I highly doubt they would talk about him. And that was the missing fourth member of the little group of friends, uh, Dagothur, also called the Charmont. Hmm. So the yeah. Charmont is actually referring to Dagothur as like the... Um, as the antagonist. And this is also something that I find interesting. And the reason why I find it so interesting is going once again, back to uh, some other, you know, real world religions referring to instead of giving the, the enemy it's due, it's an evil force. It's, it's, it's evil spirits. It's this, it's this, the Charmont represents something not right with the Dunmary religion, right? Uh, uh, a negative influence, but they don't give it a name. They give it a title. And that's what the Charmont is. It's a title more than a name itself. They didn't come out and say, dig off Ur. Cause if they came out and said, dig off Ur, there could be people alive at that point in time. Who'd go, wait a minute. I recognize that name. You know, was he not your friend at one point? So I mean, in, in Morrowind, they do mention Degath or directly, right? Like I was actually, I was just about to ask you, like, okay, never in the world became Hortator. Who is Degath or? But you just kind of answered that. Yes, he so. was one of. <laughs> he was actually the one who, when they found the heart of Lorcan after the Battle of Red Mountain, he was the one who stayed in Red Mountain to guard the tools while the rest of the tribunal decided what to do with Nerevar. Um, so um, here it says the Sharmat will believe there is he will feel that he can cause years of exuberance from sitting in the sacred. Yep. It does that heart of Lorcan like this? Yep. Sitting in okay. the sacred. He's there abstractly referring to the fact that he is as of right now in red mountain preventing them from accessing the heart of Lorcan. And oh, so he, he is preventing them from accessing Lorca heart of Lorcan. Yep. And that's actually why oh, okay. in, in Morrowind, uh, they start to lose their powers because they're not able to do mm -hmm. their, I don't want to say yearly, because we don't know at this point what it was, but they at in Morrowind, 
they had to make a and they made it a religious ritual like a renewal ritual or something and it was something that they did where they would travel to red mountain and they of course had some flowery discussion of why we're doing this right Mm -hmm. it's it's a ritual for the the sanctity of our people but in reality it was them kind of topping off you know (laughs) the power reserves because hey we don't we we need to this is borrowed divinity it's not of ourselves so something that i thought was definitely interesting was the fact that you know they they uh they they mentioned that so yeah uh well i guess that's kind of it guys that's the end of our show we've we've done the lesson i hope everyone enjoyed the lesson as much as i did reading it uh i know thais over here she just did, came down just as i was reading did you enjoy my sermon yes it was very good yeah yeah, I've been practicing my yeah. my You're voice. You're very articulate. What have you done with Thais? What do you mean? You never call me articulate. <laughs> you never are articulate. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Except except for when I'm rele- reading religious texts, then all of a sudden I'm like... And actually, when you were finished reading, I had to look up that, 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 that the throne you were talking about, the mercy seat. Yeah. Yeah, it says nothing that it's exists anywhere else besides Hebrew literature. Really? Okay. Okay. So Thais actually did some homework for me, which I'm really glad about, where she actually did look up the idea of the mercy seat, and from her cursory uh, um, search, the only place that mercy seat shows up is from Hebrew literature, a, you know, the Bible mm-hmm. and other Hebrew literature. So I didn't like it. Like I said, in my, in my experience, I've never seen a reference to a mercy seat outside of the Bible or religious texts related to it. So I think it's, it's interesting, like what was going through, uh, Michael Kirkbride's mind when he was writing this um, as he pulled a lot of of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Nomenclature? Is that the word I think I'm looking for? Uh, or themes and stuff from other works to add into his. I mean if you think about it, like he's writing at least in this instance, instance he's writing the word of practically a god like a divine yes. being that is writing to like address his followers and whatnot. So it does make sense that he took inspiration or at least researched the currently existed existing God written. Yes. Literature or right. Right. And I mean, like you said right there by, by using these texts and stuff, he's essentially giving that realistic feel that that mm-hmm. familiarity that people would have with it and go this feels like a religious text because in the back of your mind you're remembering those words and phrases and stuff from religious texts that you already knew so very neat yeah good work what i forgot his name already um Michael Kirkbride, yeah. Yes. Who yes. is no longer with Bethesda. Like, I think he left after Marwin. I don't think he was even involved when Oblivion came out at that point. Marwin was one of the wow. last things that he actually did with with the group. But, yeah. So, cool. 
again, I really hope everyone enjoyed that because uh, I know I always enjoy reading those, and uh, they're fun because they're they're. I like the way they're worded. It feels comfortable to me. <laughs> I really like it. Uh, it's actually probably one of the reasons why I still use a uh, uh, King James version of the Bible because I like the way it was written in the. Uh, the old English, if you will, <laughs> uh, versus some of the newer translations, which use more modern English. I like the old English. So, I don't know. It, I like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I really can't say much about it other than I like the way they're written, you know? So, cool. Well, guys, that's kind of the end of our show. Um, of course, you can find us dungeoncrawlernetwork.com uh ark uh, do you have any shout outs you'd like to give well you already gave all the shout outs at the early stage of the show anyway so. well you can do it again so um, in case people haven't um, done what i told them to do yeah well uh as ag mentioned earlier i do stream on twitch.tv slash trying to make it more regularly but it depends on the week and how much work i have mm -hmm. other than that i am mostly on twitter at uh, twitter.com slash as well and yeah that's about it i guess okay awesome <laughs> awesome and uh possibly maybe arcaneer maybe might be coming on more stuff maybe maybe i don't know <laughs> It I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to tell him that. I'm just gonna. <laughs> just gonna leave that out there because I was trying to trick him into doing stuff with me the other day, and I figured if I kept talking, maybe he would just assume he already agreed, and then we wouldn't have an issue. So <laughs> <laughs> he figured it out as I was. He's like, "Wait, did I even accept this? Maybe." Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> Minfalo would have been proud of Real me. Sweet. Actually, she probably would be very Real angry sweet. with me because I failed. But <laughs> I tried. See, you took you took the wrong approach. You should have taken the Talos approach. Just throw an axe. Talos hates elves. <laughs> yeah. Are there elves in? in that See, game? that's that's what they should. I, we should do a mod for Skyrim, and I'll just do the voice of the of the priest in <laughs> in Whiterun. Yeah, I'll just do. I'll just voice over him and do all that <laughs> stuff and i'll do it in my uh, 36 lessons voice it'll be fun talos the unerring talos the unerring yes we should that'd be fun actually that would really be fun i should get a <laughs> script and just do it anyway you can follow everything we do dungeoncrawlernetwork.com uh check us out facebook youtube uh patreon slash dungeon crawler network um, pretty much anywhere you got there. Check out all of our other shows, including our newest show, From the Ashes for Ashes of Creation. We do that weekly now. Uh, we're up to 20 episodes already, which is really awesome. Check out our bi-weekly uh, MMO podcast, The Dungeon Crawlers. So that's awesome. And, of course, uh, my uh, my... I I I I should have planned this out because I was gonna say something, but then I sat there and thought, well, maybe they'll think like I'm dating the entire team because the way I had some endearing terms for these guys because they're awesome. Uh, but check out our Saga of Leucemia live stream and uh, video cast uh, Tavern Talk because mm -hmm. they are an amazing group of people. Uh, all part-time developers who are working on their passion project 
uh, their MMO, Saga of Leucemia. And, oh, I, I love working with these guys. I really do. They are amazing. Uh, they are showing up to, and I'm, I know this is going to be kind of weird, so give me a second while I pull up the email, because I, I really think they deserve some. I know this is an ESO show, but you know what? You're listening to Dungeon Crawler Network. You get to listen to everything that I do, so I don't really <laughs> care. If you don't like it, well, go find... Uh, I was going to say, go find another ESO podcast, but you probably already listened to Elder Scrolls Off the Record, so good luck finding any others. Um, sorry, <laughs> that was dark. Uh, they are showing up to the Austin Game Conference, and they are going to be showing off their their game, Saga of Leucemia, uh, on the 20th. So they have the In- Intel Game Dev Showcase on the 20th, and they're one of the 10 finalists on the night of the 20th for uh september so definitely check them out they'll also be have their alpha servers live from the 20th all the way till the end of the 22nd show them some love guys they are really awesome people they're all in our discord and i mean obviously if you're watching this show you know uh aloha aloha wendy like uh, you have to know her if you follow eso she is their community manager so Go support her as well and and uh, what they're doing. So definitely amazing people to work with. I love them to death. They are the best. Check them out. And, of course, check out our show that we uh, that we do is a collaboration with them because they come on our show. I get developers on the show every single time, and we get to talk to them, and they're amazing. So thank you so much. I know it's a long rant. We got a lot of stuff here at Dungeon Crawler Network, but, uh, you know, we're just here to keep you entertained. So we really appreciate it. Um, thank you. And I guess we'll see you in Tamriel. Later, everybody. Have a good night. When Akatosh slew Lorcan, he ripped his heart right out. He hurled it across Tamriel, and the heart was heard to shout. Red diamond, red diamond, the heart and soul of men. Red diamond, red diamond, protect us till the end. The laughing heart sprayed blood afar, a gout on seer it fell. And like a dart shot to its mark, down in an alien well. Magic effused the Lorcan blood to crystal red and strong. Then wild elves cut and polished it down to chimel at a ball. Red diamond, red diamond, the heart and soul of men. Red diamond, red diamond, protect us till the end. When elves lost Nern to men, Akatosh gave the stone. To Saint Alesh in token of her right to sit the throne Red diamond, red diamond The heart and soul of men Red diamond, red diamond Protect us till the end Red diamond, red diamond Protect us till the end